Have you got your Bibles with you this morning? Yeah, fantastic. Hey, if you're here and you don't have a Bible, we have a Bible just up here on the screens for you. (laughs) That's going to be fantastic. Hey, why don't we just start to pray? Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place right now, Lord God. Father, I thank you. It says in your word that your mighty power is at work within us today. Father, we thank you right now, even this very moment, that your mighty power is at work in in the lives of every one of these people here this morning. Father, we thank you right now that your mighty, your miracle working power is is working right now in the church. Father, it's working right now in this very meeting in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Father, for your tremendous power. Father, your miracle working power. Power. Father, your, your, your power that brings life into people's lives. Father, we thank you right now in Jesus' name. Father, we pray right now that our ears would be opened. Father, that our hearts would be opened right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody say amen. His, his miracle working power. Awesome, man. The Word of God. Hey, why don't you turn your Bibles into uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22? 1 Samuel chapter 22. How are you doing this morning? It's a few goods. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, you guys look great. We're going to have a fantastic time this morning. And um, I just want to share with you something that I've been, uh, I've been really challenged by. And uh, uh, I've just felt my cage has been rattled a little bit over the last little while. And uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing to have your cage rattled. And... Uh, and uh, because if you sit in a place too long, man, it's just like you just get all stale and dry. And uh, so t- this morning, I want to, uh, just as my cage has been rattled and uh, God's doing something in me, I want to challenge you and I want to I shake you a little bit this morning. And uh, it's my prayer that, that, that the shaking will not, uh, it, it's not about destroying your life or anything like that, but it's about shaking you so something that's within you can come up and uh, something inc- absolutely incredible in your life can come forth. So if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22, and uh, Pastor Mike has been preaching on this in the last few Sunday nights about David and uh, his rise uh, from, uh, from a young shepherd boy from when he killed Goliath right to where he became both the king of Israel and the king of Judah. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, this is just after he, he slew Goliath, but this is, um, starts off in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. And it says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. And all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their leader. And there was about 400 men with him. You've got to understand that this, um, this cave... Uh, David had just won a tremendous victory over Goliath, and, uh, but, but stuff started to happen in his life. And uh, the, the cave often talks about a place of, of, of security. Uh, a, a cave often speaks to us about a place of retreat where, where the world around us just gets, starts to get a little bit hectic, and, uh, and we've got to find a place to go and hide in. The cave also talks about a place of rejection and a place of fear. And uh, so here we are, David is, is in a place of, he's in a place of confinement. He had come into this place where uh, the world around him had just turned to, turned to custard. Even though he had won tremendous victories, even though he had, he had set a nation free, the world around him had turned into custard. Everywhere he went, things started to happen. Things were just a mess around his life. And so one of the only places he could go to was this place called a cave. The place he could, he, he could find a sense of security, the place he could find a sense of, uh, a sense of rest was that of a cave. 
And uh, I know a lot of guys, it's like, you know, how many people here, we have cave time? You know, the, it's all of a sudden the world sort of gets a little bit messy around us and, and there doesn't seem to be anywhere you can go, so you just go and hide in your little cave. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all do that. Come on, be honest. Go on. Don't tell me lies. All of us, every one of us has a cave, and uh, that cave can take on many very different forms. Maybe it can be uh, a little fantasy realm. Maybe it can be a little book or a little movie, or maybe it could be your work or something like that. And uh, it, we try and find the place inside of ourselves that, that, that just protects us for a little while. And so David became into this cave. There was nowhere else he could run to. And the Bible says that his brothers and his father and his father's household, when, it, when they... When they heard about it, they came and also came and visited him in his cave. And then the Bible says also that all those that were distressed, all those that were discouraged, all of those other people around the, around the countryside that, whose lives were just, had just fallen apart, had just fallen apart. Their lives were just a mess. There was nowhere else for them to go. Let's go and visit David in his cave. <laughs> and... Um, and so the Bible talks about all these men started to gather around them. And the Bible says that David started to become their leader. You know, at this time that uh, every one of us, like I said, has this little cave time at some point. And you know what? Church can also be a cave. Church can also be a cave. We, 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 we come into a place of a, a fantastic environment that we, we feel safe and there's, there's stuff happening and, and uh, we can just sort of blend in the crowd and, 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 and our lives can start to feel good. We, most of us in our life have a little safe place. What is your little safe place this morning? You may be extremely successful in different parts of your life, but there's, a, there's still a place in your life that you have a little cave. What is that place? What is your little safe place this morning? And um, so the Bible says that when all these people started to come around and gather into David, something in David's heart started to stir. So David didn't, one thing he did not do was join in the pity party and say, hey guys, man, we're all in a little cave here. Let's have a little boo-hoo and a powwow together. And sadly, so many times we get into this place and we, we allow other people and we, uh, in, into, this, into this little safe place of ours and, and all we do is have a little boo-hoo and a, a little boo-hoo together and nothing actually happens. Sometimes even in church, and we get in our groups in church and, uh, and what, whatnot, and we, we, we tell each other our sorrows and whatnot, which is a good thing, but if we stay in that place where we're just having a little boo-hoo together, nothing actually happens. You'll just stay in your cave. But see, one of the things that David did was this. He, um, he started to realize that other people had started to gather around. Other people had started to gather around whose lives are also distressed, and there's something that started to stir inside of his heart. See, David made a decision. I'm not going to allow myself as a, as a man of God, as an anointed man of God, to start to get in a little, sort of, little self-pity party. I'm not going to do that. What, what I'm going to decide to do, man, every day I'm going to start to speak into these people. I'm going to start to speak. I'm going to start to preach. I'm going to start to speak faith and vision into these people. And if you look at this congregation here this morning, and you know, over the number of years, it's grown to a, a whole lot of fantastic people. But if you look around and you look in the lives of every one of us here, it's come from, most of us have come from a place of, of, of brokenness, a place of debt, a place of distress. Most of us have come from a place somewhere and we've tried to find a place where uh, we can have a little bit of safety or, or, or we can have a little, a finer sense of security. And so all of us have come to a place, and every, time, every Sunday, well, most Sundays, Pastor Mike is up here, and he's speaking and speaking faith into our lives. He's showing us how to live. And this is one of the things that David did. 
Every day he would have looked at these guys, he would have got his men together, and he would have spoken into their lives. He said, hey man, I know what you've gone through. I know that there's been disappointment inside of your life, but I know, my God, he, 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 man, I can tell you he was with me when I slew the lion. He was with me when I slew the bear. He was with me when I slew Goliath. He was there all the time. And I know it doesn't matter what you've come from. You may be the youngest in your family. You may be the, this in your family. You may be abused. You may be this. You may be that. It doesn't matter what you've been through. I know that my God can do something powerful in your life. Every week, every day, he would have looked them in the eyes and put faith, spoke the word of God into their lives. Every day. Every day he would have spoke and released faith. Every day he probably would have, whether they had an altar call or something like that, I don't know, and, the, and Pastor Dave would come along and start to lay hands, I've released faith into your life, I break fear off your life, I break this, I break abuse, I break all this sort of stuff off your life. But they're still in the cave. <laughs> they're still in the cave. Even after all this while of David speaking faith, even ministering and praying and this and that and the other thing, they're still in a cave. I mean, the same thing can happen right now. For, for a lot of us, it's like we... I mean, I've been sitting in church for a long time listening to Pastor Mike. But there's some parts of my life that I'm still in the cave. Just because I go to church, just because I, I stand up here and preach to you, uh, there are still some parts of my life that are in a cave. And that is exactly why I want to preach to you this morning and help you and, and, and together as a church that we could come out of, uh, of, the, of our sense of security, of our sense of confinement, of our places, of, of, of our little safe places and actually get out there and actually do something that God has called us to do. Amen? Are you with me with this morning? Awesome. Why don't you turn over in your Bibles to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 23. It's just across the page there. In verse verse 1 it says, When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are looting the uh, the, the threshing floors. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? So David heard that there was something going on in his town, man. See, Keilah was a a city, a a little town in the the nation of Judah. And the Philistine army had come and and, and started to attack a strategic place. And... uh, if you look in our community right now, I'm just going to go backwards and forwards from the Bible and, and, and to where we are now because it's very, very easy that we, we read a story in, in the Bible and somehow we just, we've got to be able to relate it to where we are today. So I'm going to sort of come backwards and forwards a little bit from that. So here we are. Uh, David heard, word came to David. Now, I don't know how that word came to David, but I don't know about you, but right now when I read the paper, when I read on the TV that, that there is... Uh, there is something that is happening in my community. Everywhere you look in the schools, in my schools, in my, my, my neighborhood, in, in my city, in my nation, everywhere you look, you see, um, you see an attack of the enemy in strategic parts. You see uh, party pills. Uh, you see uh, the amount of drugs. You see the amount of uh, violence. You see the, the amount of gambling. You see, uh, I mean, even right now, you see on TV that they're promoting um, gambling things where you can go online and practice your, your poker. Everywhere you go, there's a destructive force coming upon our, uh, our land, our city. Yeah, it's our city. This is not uh, the devil's city. This is not uh, somebody else's city. This is not our church. This is not somebody else's. This is our church. This is our community we live in. 
And see, this is the difference with, with David, that he, uh, that when he heard that something had come against his nation, something inside of him, uh, something inside of him rose up. See, the thing is, it's like this. When you, have the, when you have the heart of a king, when you have the heart of the kingdom, when you know you're an ambassador of Christ, when you hear something that's going on in the community, see, right now we're in, a little, we're in our little safe place in church. No baddies can come and get us. But when we, it still doesn't negate the fact that there is stuff going on in our community right now. I mean, everywhere you look, there is stuff going down and not good stuff. And here we are in our safe place in church. So one of the things about David was he was something, when he, heard, he was, when, he, when he heard what was going on in the community, something was stirred inside of him. And when you are plugged into the kingdom, when you are plugged in with a relationship with Jesus Christ, when you see yourself not just as a, uh, uh, just as a church guy, but as you, if you see yourself as an ambassador of Christ, set aside, uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit, there will be something that will move inside of you. It's a sense of ownership. And one of the big things that, um, one of the greatest needs in our community, especially in the church today, is people that will stand up with a sense of ownership. Ownership at first about my own life, that it's my, my, my problems are not somebody else's problems, my, my problems are my problems that I need to work out. Uh, uh, this is our church, this is not just Pastor Mike's church, this is our family because the church is made up of people, which is made up of you. This is our church. This is our community. Why? Because you live in this community. So what goes on in here uh, involves you. So when you, have a, when you carry the, the sense of kingdom, when you carry yourself uh, as an ambassador of Christ, there'll be something that's moved inside of you. And so when David heard that something had come against a place in his country, there was something was moved inside of him. So out of a sense of responsibility, he brought it before God. Out of a sense of ownership, he brought the thing before God. See, something awakened inside of him. He took ownership and took responsibility for the state of the nation. First thing we want to do, if we want to have an impact in our community, one of the first things we need to do is take ownership in the community. We need to take ownership about what's going on in our schools. We need to take ownership about what's going on in local government politics. We need to take ownership of what, what's going on in, the, in your neighborhood. We've got to take ownership in it. Yeah, nothing's going to change unless we take ownership. Amen? So one of the things David took is you've got to understand that this is also very, very similar to what Jesus did in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. See, the Bible says there that Jesus had gone through all the cities and gone through churches, and he had, he had preached in that church, and he had preached in that community, and he'd done miracles there, and he'd done miracles there, and delivered this person, and, and, and all this sort of stuff. And then one day he got up, and he, there was something, there was a defining moment in his life. There was a defining moment in his life. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, uh, he says, when he, his eyes were opened and he saw the multitudes. When he saw the multitudes, something was moved inside of him. Something was awakened inside of him. Something, something stood up and said, this is what I was born for. This is what I'm called to do. When he saw the multitudes, the Bible says they were like sheep without a shepherd, scattered and, and they were torn apart. They were absolutely helpless. Something was moved inside of him. So what did he do? He, the first thing he did was he's called his disciples. He called his disciples and he gave them power and authority over every unclean spirit and this and that. And then he sent them out. See, this is, a, this is the same picture of what we have here back in, in 1 Samuel chapter 23. So he says, so he goes to the Lord. He says, God, 
says, I've seen something happening in my school. I see that there's something happening against this part in the community. I see that there's something happening in my neighborhood. I see we have a drug problem. I see we have a graffiti problem. I see we have a poverty problem. What do you want me to do about it? And so, of course, God answered him. He said, go. Go and get those bad boys, man. Go and bring uh, a sense of freedom. Go and put hope back into your neighborhood. Go and put a sense of hope. Go and put a, a sense of, go and preach the gospel, man, to your neighborhood. Go and preach the gospel, man, to your school. Go and preach the gospel to your cat. Because I tell you, man, the gospel has got power. The, 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 our community is looking for something that, they can, that, that, that can put a sense of hope inside of the, their lives. And the only thing that will do that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. And so David comes back from God and he comes back to his men and he says, Men, <laughs> you all heard about what's going down the road there. You all heard about what's going down in Keilah. You all heard about what's going on in your school. You know all the stuff that I've been preaching to you about. You know all these times where I laid hands on you and prayed, released faith, released this and released that to your life and broke these demons and prayed against the abuse and break the curses and all that. You remember all that, guys? Yeah. yeah. Remember the time when, I, when I, I, I released the power of God inside of your life? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah it's great, man. It fell down. And what? Yeah. Now, it's time to activate that. Now it's time. I want to bring that back out. Man, I'll put it in you. Man, I want to get it out. See, friends, when, when you give your heart to God, when you, when you give your heart to Jesus and he comes into your life, he just doesn't want to just stay in there. He wants to come on out and affect the world around you. How else is this going to happen, man? And so he goes to his guys and says, guys, man, we're going to take responsibility. We are gonna, I've heard from God. We are going to go and go and we're going to go and sort the situation out in our community. We're going to go and sort the situation. And... Uh, Look in your Bibles. Look at, look, at, look at the reaction. Instead of saying, come on, man. They have this the faith inside of our heart. Come on, man. Let's go and do it. Look at their response. Basically, David stands up and says, guys, it's time to get out of your cave. It's time to get up and out of your cave. It's time to, man, we've been in this place too long, man. We've been in our place of hiding. We've been in our place of, of restoration. We've been in our place of, of, um, of good stuff. And it's time now to activate what, what's, what I've put inside of your life. And so basically he calls them out of the cave. It's time, boys, to soldier up. It's time to soldier up. It's time to activate what I've put in you. It's time to discover what's really in you. It's time, friends. Church, it is time for different ones, for all of us, to start to stand up. We sing that song, it's time for, now is the time for us to stand up for all that we believe in. It's time, friends. If there's any time right, it is right now. Our nation needs people that have had breakthrough in finances. Our nation, our community needs people who have had breakthrough in, in abuse. Our, 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 our nation needs people like you. God has put something. When you stood up on this altar call and you invited Jesus Christ into your life, when you came up in the altar call and you had the Spirit of God released upon your life, guess what? He actually did come into your life. He actually came into my life, and one of the biggest challenges I'm facing right now is I need to see that manifest in a greater way in my community. Oh, yeah, come on. Tell the person next to you, there's something great inside of you. Yeah, come on. And so here was the response. Guys, I've heard from God. We're going to do, do something fantastic. Man. 
And look at the response. It says here, uh, but David's men said to him, hey, pastor, man, here in Judah, here in the house of praise, man, we're scared. <laughs> man, I'm too scared to even put my hands up. I'm too scared to even clap a little bit loud in church. Man, I'm too, when I sing in church, it's, man, I'm scared even right now. If we're scared in this place, <laughs> man, they're pretty bad out there, man. Those Philistines are bad dudes. And they've got mean, ugly faces, man. They're just... And it's not like, it's not like a, you know, they play with bombs or anything. Man, they've got swords and knives, man. Got... That's scary stuff. If we're afraid right now, look at us. Man, well, God, we're in this cave. We're in this church. How? How am I going to reach my school where, God, I'm struggling with this abuse in my life? And I understand that, different ones. And, you know, you've been through some incredible things. I understand that. But it's like uh, uh, the response was, their focus was still in a cave mentality. Their focus, their, their perception, their, their, whole, um, their whole thinking was still caught up in, in me and my little cave, even though they came to church, even though they, they prayed, and even though they had the hands laid on and fell down the power of God, they were still caught up in a little cave. So basically, David, he says, and quite often, friends, when, I mean, I feel it too. I mean, I get scared, man. When, I mean, I feel the call to go out and get some of these young people off drugs. But, you know, one of the things I struggle with, man, I, I, sometimes I struggle to speak in front of a group of Christian people that love me. How, how really am I going to cope standing in front of a bunch of noisy teenagers that, that don't really know God at all? They just... That's going to be scary stuff. But I feel the call because why God has put a heart of ambassador inside of me. And so, but we can, start, we can, we, we can stay in that place where we, um, where we can just swing backwards and forwards. So basically the response, I believe, was here in Judah, we're afraid. I mean, we've been, been here in this place a while. I'm sort of starting to enjoy it now. It's, it's, a, it's a nice place coming to church. There's nice people on the door and I walk in and they shake my hand and, hey, how you doing? And we've got some nice people that pray for us and lay hands on us and feels good and whatnot. I'm really starting to enjoy it here. I, I, I just feel, that's great. I, I'm, I'm glad that you, you enjoy it. I mean, that's one of the things we want to do, create a place where you enjoy to come to. But uh, change, man. You mean we've got to start taking church out into the community? Man, that's, that sounds a little scary because oh, I can't speak or I'm this or I'm that or I'm... But yeah, I'm still in a state of, but I'm still rejected, I'm still this, I'm still that. But we still love God. Oh, I know why I can't go out and do that, because I'm still working through issues. It's basically the same thing. Here in Judah, here, here in this place, I'm afraid. How much more am I going to be afraid uh, out there? Man, that sounds pretty intense. Man, that sounds pretty scary out there. And uh, this cave sounds a much better place. I mean, come on, folks. I mean, we, we, we all do that. But this is one of the mentalities that we've got to shift. And I'm going I'm to get there real quick. And um, let's turn in your Bibles uh, into uh, James chapter 2. It's an incredible uh, piece of scripture here. So here, this, this faith that David had spoken into their lives. And, and uh, I, mean, I can imagine just these guys coming up to David and saying, hey, David, man, what was it like when you... When you stood up in front of Goliath, what was it like when he started to say these things to you? What, what sort of stuff was going through your head? He was spent, man, I can tell you this right now. I can tell you, man, uh, what was going on in my heart was, 
uh, me grabbing that lion by the fur and whipping that stone into his head. What was going through my heart right then was that bear and uh, that, that, that giant, I tell you right now, that, that the power of God was strong inside of my life. And when I slew that Goliath, man, I could see faith. Inside. And so as he spoke, faith was started to calm and started to release into their hearts. Faith. What is faith? All of us, when you give your heart to Jesus, all of us have a, a faith in, in one context or another. Let's look at the word faith. The Bible says here that in, in James chapter 2, verse 14, it says, What good is it there, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no outworking of that? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, uh, man up. Yeah, you've got this man here and he's got no clothes or no food. He comes in and says, man, I just release, I release food upon your life right now in Jesus' name. I release clothes upon your life right now. Uh, where you go. Is that faith? Well, that, what sort of a faith is that? The Bible says, if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but nothing, does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accomplished by an action, it is dead. If it is not accomplished by an out, it's not accompanied by an outworking, it is dead. Uh, faith is really important that we've got to have in our lives. And, and uh, the Bible says in, 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 in Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith, we cannot please God. So what is faith? And uh, I looked up and I, I had a little bit of a research about what is faith. And uh, faith can vary depending on the context in which it's put in. And it's like, when you, when you look at the original word of faith, uh, the word faith translated from the Greek, uh, Greek word is this. It says, uh, pistis, something I have. And it was primarily used in the New Testament and translates as a noun-verb hybrid. Most of us uh, use the word faith as a, as a noun context, but actually it's both a noun and a verb. It's, both a, it's also an action word. When the, when the word faith was... Uh, Used, it was used in that word, pistis. And so, uh, so if you look at, um, which is not adequately conveyed by the English noun, uh, pistis in the New Testament context is actually a physical action uh, based upon a mental belief and sustained with confidence. So if you look at, uh, if you look at the, the English language, uh, the Bible was actually not written originally in the English language, it's actually written in Hebrew. And there are some words that are, that are written in the Bible, they they sort of get lost in translation a little bit. You, you, like if you're Maori here, uh, like the word mana, for example. Um, there's not really, uh, I don't believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe there's a, a, an actual English word that actually can properly describe what mana is. It's because it's, it's just, uh, there, there was something about that word that when you, if you understand the context in which it's said it in, then you'll understand its power. The same with faith. Faith can be, I believe, it can be a, a number of three things. It can, first of all, uh, it's a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God that comes upon our lives. The Bible uh, speaks about the gifts of, gifts of God. One of them is faith. I believe also faith is a, uh, uh, faith is a, is a, is a mental understanding. Uh, but also faith is an action word. So when the, the word faith is used, especially in the New Testament, its context and its original uh, in its original context in which it's, 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 it's meant to come out as, a, as an outworking of, a, of an internal belief. So I believe the Bible, is, when he's talking about having faith, it's, 
in the New Testament context, faith is an outworking of an internal belief, an actual outworking of an internal belief. So you can't, uh, there's a difference between, I believe, having a, a, a knowledge of something. So sometimes, quite often we say, I've got a faith, but you've actually you've got a knowledge of something, which is a type of faith. But when you use it in the context of New Testament, I've got faith, uh, or, or the context in which it's written, I've got faith. My faith is actually an outworking of what I believe in my knowledge in here. So you've got to understand that demons uh, have a belief, have a, have a knowledge of God. In fact, they probably have more of a knowledge of God than you and I do. But, but we've got to have both an, a knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. Not only that, but we've also got to have it in the other context, as uh, in a verb context, an outworking of faith. If there is no outworking of what you and I believe, it's dead. It's pretty simple, isn't it? So uh, an outworking of, a, of an internal belief. And so when you look at, um, so faith without works is dead. What does it mean to be, uh, what, is, what, what do we mean faith without works? What is the works talking about? Very, very simple, really. It's not very spiritual at all. I mean, it's very spiritual, but it's very, very simple. It means to be employed. <laughs> to be employed means that you're actually, you're actively engaged in productive activity. Very, very simple. I mean, there's a lot of things about being uh, employed, but actually, you are you, when you employ somebody, when you when you when somebody's employed, you are commissioned to actually have an outworking of something. So, if there is no uh, if there is if you have a faith inside of your heart, but there is no outworking of that, uh, you'd be spiritually unemployed. If somebody is not employed, if somebody is not actively engaged in productive work, you're unemployed. <laughs> yes. And you've got to understand that if you, look at the, if you look at the state of the nation, you look at how many people are on, uh, uh, hear me right, you look at how many people are on benefits like DPB, welfare, sickness, uh, unemployed, it's, it's, it's extremely high. And I, I'm all for helping out people that genuinely get themselves into trouble. And that's what it's there for. But what you have is, instead of having a, a, just a welfare system, you actually have a welfare mentality that starts to creep into people's lives. In, the, in our community. If it's out in the community, it's in the church, man. And so many top places in the church where we look at, uh, there is, a, uh, there is a, a spiritual unemployment. There is a spiritual, uh, uh, there's a spiritual welfare system going on. So if, there is a, if, if, you have faith, if you profess to have faith, but there is no outworking of it, we're actually, we're actually spiritually unemployed. Uh, what does it mean to be spiritually unemployed? Basically, if you're spiritually unemployed, you're living off somebody else's overflow. If you're a taxpayer here, if you're employed, you pay tax. Part of that tax goes to somebody else that's either not working because they can't work or not working because they choose not to work because they're scared. And they... yeah. So if you're spiritually unemployed, you're actually living off somebody else's overflow. Uh, if you're spiritually unemployed, you're actually, another word for that, you're on the kingdom dole. You may come to church and all that, but you're still in the kingdom dole. To be spiritually unemployed, when we talk about spiritual, when we talk about the realms of the spirit, I'm talking about a, a flow that comes, the context of what I'm talking about is a flow from the life of, from the throne room of God that, that comes through and, and comes into our life that, and, and actually flows through us. If there is no uh, flow through of the gifts of God, see the Bible also talks about uh, uh, 
uh, the gifts of God. God gives each and, other, each and every one of us gifts. He talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. To some, he releases the gift of faith. To some, he releases the gift of wisdom. To some, he releases the gift of you know, faith to move mountains. For some, it's the gift of faith to, um, uh, for, for absolutely incredible, incredible miracles. For some, it's the, the gift of prophecy. For some, it's the gift of interpretation. For some, it's the gift of tongues. Every one of you here today, God has placed a gift or gifts inside of your life. And the, the outworking of prophecy, I don't believe, is just Pastor Mike or, or some other. Just, it's more than just somebody just laying hands and just speaking inside of your life. It, it, it's more than that. Uh, I believe the gift of prophecy is, is, is you're able to see things into the future. You'll be able to, uh, if, if you're a businessman here this morning, uh, maybe you're not up the front here prophesying over, over people, but maybe... God, you've got a, still got a gift of prophecy upon your life, but you're, God is able to show you, you, you can see things. Uh, God is able to show you things maybe that's happening in the markets or, or what market's about to go up or what market's about to go down or, or where um, new ideas, new business ideas. Some people have a, have a gift of knowledge or understanding. They can, uh, they've just got clever ways of being able to... Uh, so we're just going to break the, 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 um, uh, the walls of our thinking just out of Sunday services, but actually out into the community. Because that's where the gifts of God were. They are for the church, by all means, but they are also to outwork into the community. You know what I'm talking about now? So if there is no outworking of that gift, if there is no conscious outworking of that gift, there is a spiritual unemployment taking place. Uh, if there is no flow of the life of the Spirit through your life, uh, you, you're spiritually unemployed. And you, we may have every, every reason to, to justify why we're doing that. And that's... And I understand that some people, that you know, they, you, you come through a certain process of maybe you come from another church and you, there's a time to have a rest. Sometimes you actually need to just sit back and have a, have a um, just have the flow, you know, put back into your life again. I understand that. But if you stay in that place for too long, you'll actually become spiritually unemployed. You look at somebody who's been on the dole for too long, what happens? They stay there. If they stay on the dole for too long, they actually come to an point well, they're actually unemployable. If you're an employer here, you've tried to take on somebody that's been on the dole for so long, they're just so sloppy and lazy. They actually, you actually lose the, the capacity to actually work and actually to be, to be able to produce. So although the welfare system is a good thing, if, if you rely on that, uh, it will actually mess your life up. And the same thing with the church. If you, you may be abused, you may be this, you may be that, but if you stay in a place of, of, of welfare, spiritual dole, it will come a point where you'll be messed up. And you'll actually be uh, unproductive. And so uh, I, I believe that, um, you know, when, you, when they talk about the flow of the Spirit in Ezekiel 47, chapter 11, it talks about the, about the flow of the river of God that, uh, that comes out from the throne room and, and comes down through the, uh, through the places and, and it brings life to the trees. And eventually it comes to the part where it engages into the sea. And that's the part where, where everything that we the Bible says that wherever the river flows, uh, there will be life. So when the river enters the sea, uh, all sorts of fishermen will start to gather around there and all sorts of types of fish will be caught. So at some point, uh, this river, this, this great feeling, this presence of God has somehow got to connect to the community we're trying to reach. And the Bible says that wherever the river flows, flow is a, is a word that describes something actually moving. Wherever, somebody, wherever the river flows, uh, the, tree shall, the trees live. But the swamps, the Bible says, the, the swamps, uh, there is no life. 
there is no healing in those places. So where there is a uh, where there is an inflow of the Spirit of God, where there is where people get where you, where you come up and you get touched and you get laid hands and prayed for, that's great. But if there is no outflow of that, you become a swamp. If there is no outflow of that, there's and I'm not talking about just standing on the door and greeting people. There's there's housekeeping duties that we have in church. Spiritual employment is more than just that. Spiritual employment is actually a flow of the Spirit of God that you get in this place here, that you get in the place of your own time with God, and that you actually, actually release it into the community. And not in a spiritually geeky way, or not in some stupid religious way, in a way that people can actually, man, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a natural flow of the Holy Ghost through our lives. Amen? And so where there is no flow, the Bible says that those trees are not healed. And where there is a swamp, you go to a swamp, all sorts of nasty little... I mean, they have eels in swamps, man. They have little slimy eels. The swamps get all slimy. And it's just disgusting. You've got mosquitoes that come in and suck your blood and, and all that sort of stuff. When you stay in a swamp, if, you're, if your life is like a spiritual swamp, don't expect to be healed. You can come up to the altar call a thousand times. Nothing will happen. The Bible says it won't happen. If there's no flow through, nothing will happen. Coming to church is not output. Coming to church is input. Going to a cell group is input. It's not output. Taking a service or leading a meeting or leading a cell group, that's output. If you've got a, a, a group of people that you're, you're consistently, you're, you're consciously uh, releasing uh, something inside of your life too, that is output. But if you're not doing that, that is not output. That is just... So you've got to actually have a good look at your life and ask yourself, where is there an output in my life? Where is there an outflow of the Spirit of God? Where is there an outflow of, will I get laid hands of this faith and the might and all Where is the outflow from that? If there is no outflow, you're a swamp. The Bible says that in that swamp, there is no healing, man. It's just a cesspool. So when you stay in a place of a swamp, you'll come into a place of deception. You'll come into a place of, of just yucky stuff, man. You've got to understand that the... Uh, the actual healing is found not just in the, the inflow of the Holy Spirit, but the healing is found in that both the inflow and the outflow. So, I mean, I suffer, I mean, I mean I've struggled with rejection and fear and all these other things, but one of the things that helped me get through some of that is actually having an outflow. If I still stayed in the same place where I was still getting spirit of fear, spirit of rejection come out in Jesus. If I still stayed in that place, I was still, I would not be healed, but as well as having an inflow, I've always also got an outflow, and it's in the outflow as well that I've found healing. And for some of you here today, you've, you, you've stayed in a place of, of abuse or, or whatever excuse it is for too long. I understand it's painful for you, but your healing will be found not just in the inflow, not just in the ministry to you, but actually the ministry through you to other people's lives. You know what I'm talking about now? So... So to be spiritually unemployed, I believe, is as bad or even worse as un- eco- uh, economic unemployment. Because a spiritual, spiritual unemployment will lead to, I believe, a lack of spiritual maturity and a lack of uh, productivity, or in other words, fruit. At the end of the day, that's what Christ has called for all of our lives, is to produce fruit. Fruit that remains. So spiritual unemployment, but if you're not employed, by, you, mate, that ain't going to be happening anywhere around your life. Uh, Spiritual unemployment, I believe, also leads to idle hands. Not, when somebody's unemployed, they've got nothing to do. They just sit around and click their dull check. And, and then um, what else do they do with their week? 
oh, I can do this, that. I get bored. When people, when people get bored, when people just get idle, they get into trouble. <laughs> yeah, they do. They have to do. Idle hands. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 14, it says, warn those who are idle. Warn them. If you are idle, be warned by God. <laughs> you actually got to put some, get some stuff going, man. Because one day, all of us will stand before God and have, have, an, have an account written for our life. And at that point there, I was abused and nothing happened. What fruit was upon your life? Lack, uh, spiritual unemployment leads to, I believe, a swamp. Let's make this statement. Spirit with, with, um, with maturity comes responsibility. If you profess to be a mature Christian, if you want to be a mature Christian, if you want to be a mature ambassador from God, uh, You've got to start taking responsibility. You've actually got to start to be responsible for some things. And that's one of the things that I believe showed out in David's life was he was responsible. He took, resp- he took ownership. He took responsibility for the, his own condition. He also took responsibility and ownership for the, for the, for the condition of, of what was happening down the road. One of the things we need to grow is we need to start, if, we want to, if you want to start to mature, if you, if you want to start as a little kid, a little spiritual kid, by all means, you ain't going to produce fruit. But if you want to grow and produce fruit in your life, you actually got to start to take responsibility. That's the bottom line, man. I want to just quickly turn back, and we're going to finish up in a sec. Um, just have the muso team up. Let's turn back to 1 Samuel 23. So there's a spirit of faith that's inside of our lives, man. There's this, there's this deal going down down the road. And... Um, so David, it says, the Bible says that, so David once again in verse 4, goes back to God and says, God, are you sure? Are you sure that you want me and my men to go down to Keilah? Are you sure that you want us to stand up? Are you sure that you want us to go into the schools? Are you sure that you want us to go into every sector of society? Are you sure that you want that to happen, God? Because when I went back to the people, they were just... They said they didn't want to go. They said that they were too scared. But God came back and said, David, tell him, I'm telling you, man, you will win a victory. You will win. You will. These guys have put, you got to, these guys have got to come aware of what it is that's actually inside of them. So David comes back to the men again and says, man, listen to me. Church, listen to me. Listen to me. I know that many of you have struggled with debt. I know that many of you in the past have struggled with poverty. I know that many of you have been abused in some of the most horrific ways. I understand that, but right now, there is something that needs our help. There is somebody that needs what I've prayed, what I've, what I've released into you, what I've prayed into you, what I've preached to you. There is somebody somewhere in our community that needs that. It's time, boys, to soldier up. Yes, I understand that. But, and then the, these guys, they made a decision. They decided in their hearts. Something switched on inside of them. Something awoke inside of them. And they may have got a little bit scared and got their swords out and whatever. And uh, they, they would have been uncertain about how this is all going to work out. But the Bible says that they went to Keilah and they fought the Philistines. And they, 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 they had a fantastic, they had a massive victory. 
a massive victory. I'm going to tell you today, friends, when you get into your school, when you get into your places of work, when you get into your community, yes, you may feel a little bit of nervous through there. You may feel a little bit of this. You may feel uh, fear. You may feel rejected. You may feel the, uh, the, the abuse of the stuff may have come up. And, the, uh, and you may be in a state, but if you want to, that when you engage the battle, when you start to uh, activate the faith that's inside of you, activate the faith that has been ministered into your life, when there's an activation of, of that inside of your life, something will come alive inside of you. Because you've got to understand, friends, the Bible says that David had mighty men. There was, out of that group of people that were distressed, that were abused, that were rejected, out of that group of people, somehow came the mighty men. Somewhere in, there, in this place of people that were afraid and we don't want to go out there. Later on down the track, you see Ben and I, man, he's, he stood his ground in front of how many people? When everyone else retreated, man, he stood his ground in the Philistines and he brought a victory by himself. There was another guy that went into a pit on a snowy day and defeated a lion and defeated giants. Mighty man, incredible man that, that, that released exploits, that slew giants. Friends, when you engage, when there is a flow through, when there is an outworking of the faith that God has put inside of your heart, friends, you you have no idea what's inside of your life. I'm going to tell you today, there's people here this morning and you've been through terrible stuff. This stuff has happened in your life. You've been rejected. But friends, I want to tell you now, there is a spirit of faith. There is a spirit of God that can come into your life and that you... When, that, when you activate that by outworking it, something inside of your life, friend, will come alive. You'll be a completely different person. But the choice is ours. We're either going to be, have a head knowledge of faith and just be a, stay in our place of our little cave. Or we can stand up as the church, as the body of Christ, and actually do something in our community. Amen. It's time for us to stand for what we actually believe in, what we profess to believe in, what, we, what head knowledge we have up here. It's time to actually have an outworking of that into our community, amen? And as I look around people here, there's different ones. There's different ones I know that have, you've started to engage that, and God is starting to usually in powerful ways. I look at Ian, I look at, um, I look at Steve, I look at all these different ones, I look at Pastor Lynn, different ones that you know, have had stuff from their background, and they have every excuse to blame this and that. But they decided not to be a swamp. They'll be a channel of the river of God. They'll actually be, activate the faith inside of the heart. Now God is raising them up to do mighty exploits around the world. That can be you too, friend.